History Podcast. I am Jordan. You are you. And this is episode 60, The Gainesville Ripper. So I actually ran into this case um, doing a Patreon episode. So if you're interested in listening to our Patreon episodes, we have, I just recorded number 38 or 39. I can't remember which it was. But yeah, um, if you become a patron, you get instant access to all the backlog um, of all of our content, as well as everything moving forward. So it's uh, it's uh, $5 a month for the second tier, which gets you the weekly bonus episodes. Um, and it also gets you a every episode a week early. And then we have a, also have a $2 tier, which just gets you episodes a week early. So if you're all caught up and you want to hear next week's, $2 will get you uh, next week's and then every week moving forward. I can't remember exactly which episode it was that I did this research for, but I believe it was one regarding movies because these events and this man are what inspired Scream. Wes Craven heard about this and it made him, uh, inspired him to write the script for Scream. So that's, it's pretty interesting. It's not, I didn't know about it, like I said, and I'm not sure how many people do know about it. I feel like it's not as talked about. You always hear about like Ed Gein inspired Leatherface and all these things, but you never really hear about Scream. I don't know if it's because it's a newer, not new now, I guess it's pretty old now, but you know what I mean. Like like Leatherface and Halloween, it's not as old as those. It's not really a classic. I guess it's starting to be because it's, what, 30 years old now or 20-some years old now. So it's getting up there. So am I. Oh, boy. Okay. Sad. But yeah, so let's uh, let's get into it. So Danny Rowling was it was born in Shreveport, Louisiana. His father was a Shreveport police officer named James Rowling, who told Danny that he was unwanted from birth and who was abused by his mother Claudia and his brother Kevin. In one incident, Danny's mother went to the hospital after claiming her husband tried to cut herself or tried to make her cut herself with a razor blade. She made repeated attempts to leave her husband, but always returned. In one example of the senior Rowling's sense of discipline, he pinned Danny to the ground and handcuffed him, then had police take his son away because he was embarrassed by him. So, pretty loving family life, it seems. That's, yeah, obviously this is awful. And this seems to be a recurring theme in serial killers. Like um, Richard Ramirez, for example, had a really rough childhood. Um, just, yeah, it's this whole, it's like the nature versus nurture thing. Like, you're, you don't realize it, but you're, the way you're brought up does a lot to who you become, which is an interesting psychology, but it's awful in these cases for these people. So as a teenager and a young adult, Rowling was arrested several times for robberies. Uh, in Georgia, and was caught spying on women getting dressed. As an adult, he had trouble trying to assimilate into society and hold down a steady job. At one point, Rowling worked as a waiter at Pancho's restaurant in Shreveport. In May of 1990, he attempted to kill his father during an argument in which his father lost an eye and an ear. Holy shit. 
really got a hold of him there. I guess uh, he kind of had it coming, though, if he was treating him like shit his whole life. I don't know what you expect. So now let's get into some of the killings. And he's already got a taste for it, apparently, because he tried to kill his own father. So not really surprising that he turned to other people. He shouldn't because they didn't do anything wrong, but I guess he just had that rage pent up from all of his life being basically told he was nothing and that he wasn't wanted. That does something to you. So in August of 1990, Rowling murdered five students, one from Santa Fe College and four from the University of Florida during a burglary and robbery spree in Gainesville, Florida. He mutilated his victims' bodies, decapitating one. He then posed them, sometimes using mirrors. In the early morning hours of Friday, August 24th, Rowling broke into the apartment shared by 17-year-old university freshman Sonia Larson and Christina Powell. Finding Powell asleep on the downstairs couch, he stood over her briefly, but did not wake her up, choosing instead to explore the upstairs bedrooms where Larson was also asleep. Rowling murdered Larson, first taping her mouth shut to stifle her screams, then stabbing her to death. She died while trying to fend him off. Rowling then went back downstairs, taped Powell's mouth shut, bound her wrist together behind her back, and threatened her with a knife as he cut her clothes off. He then, uh, he then raped her and forced her face down on the floor, where he stabbed her five times in the back. Rowling posed the bodies in sexually provocative positions. He then took a shower before leaving the apartment. Oof, that's awful. That makes me sick. Um, a day later, on Saturday, August 25th, Rowling broke into the apartment of 18-year-old Christina Hoyt, prying open a sliding glass door with a K.A. bar knife, Kabar knife, I think is how that said, and a screwdriver. <clears throat> Excuse me. Finding she was not home, he waited in the living room uh, for her return. At 11 a.m., Hoyt entered the apartment and Rowling surprised her from behind, placing her in a chokehold. After she was subdued, he then taped her mouth shut, bound her wrists, and led her to the bedroom, where he cut the clothes from her body and raped her. Oh my god, this guy's a fucking... Ugh. He's going to... He needs to be in hell, for sure. Um, as in the Powell murder, he then forced her face down and stabbed her in the back, rupturing her heart. After arriving back at the campsite, Rowling could not find his wallet. Thinking he may have lost it at the murder scene, he returned there, at which time he decided to decapitate Hoyt's body and pose her on a shelf facing the corpse, adding to the shock of whoever discovered her. Jesus, this guy. I mean, he's obviously a psychopath, but my God, this is like next level stuff. By now, the murders had attracted widespread media attention and many students were taking extra precautions, such as changing their daily routines and sleeping together in groups. Because the spree happened so early in the fall semester, some students withdrew their enrollment and transferred to other schools. Tracy Pauls, who was 23 years old, was living with her roommate, Manny Tabata, who was also 23. On Monday, August 27th, Rowling broke into their apartment by prying open the sliding glass door with the same tools he had previously used. Rowling found Tabata asleep in one of the bedrooms, and after a struggle with a young man, he eventually killed him. Hearing the commotion, uh, Pauls went down the hall to Tabata's bedroom and saw Rowling. She attempted to barricade herself in her bedroom, but Rowling broke down the door. Rowling taped her mouth and wrists, cut off her clothing, and raped her. 
before turning her over and stabbing her several times in the back. Rowling posed Paula's, uh, Paul's body to the left, or butt left Tabata's in the same position which he had died. So this is, ugh. for some, I mean, not for some reason, it's very obvious, but rape is just like a whole nother level of sick, of evil. And that he, he seems to have a, a system down now where he breaks in the same way, does the same thing to all the bodies, and then, as like a coward, he turns them over so he can't look at them, and then kills them, which is awful. That's just, that's, yeah, special kind of, special kind of place in hell for people like that. With the exception of Tabata, all the victims were petite Caucasian brunettes with brown eyes. Although law enforcement initially had very few leads, police did identify two suspects. One, a University of Florida student who had a history of mental illness and bore numerous scars on his face from a car accident, making him an ideal image when discussing news about the investigation. His photo was shown repeatedly by media outlets. Authorities publicly cleared him of all charges after after Rowling's arrest. The other suspect was also later cleared. That's, I mean, I get it as a police force. You have to, like, you have to come up with something for people to kind of put him at ease a little bit. But for them to have no, he just was mentally ill and had scars on his face from a car accident. They just blasted his, his face out there. Now this kid's just walking around town innocent. People thinking he's a freaking murderer. That's awful. I get what, I, I don't know. That's a tough, that's a double-edged sword there. Like, on one hand, you want people to feel at ease, so I get trying to rush to find someone, but before you know anything, you shouldn't be telling media outlets that, hey, this is a suspect, because you have nothing to go off of. That's probably ruined that kid's life. That's awful. So Louisiana police alerted Florida authorities to an unsolved triple murder in Shreveport on November 4th of 1989. Detectives noted that there are similarities between the Gainesville murders and those of 55-year-old William Grissom and his 24-year-old daughter, Julie, and his 8-year-old son, Sean. Um, The family had been attacked in their home as they were preparing for dinner. Afterwards, Julie Grissom's body had been mutilated, cleaned, and posed. Don Maines, who was an investigator on the case with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, traveled to Shreveport, because of the similarities between the murders committed in Gainesville and those committed in Shreveport. They included posing of the victims, tape residue on the victim's body, and vinegar used to clean the body. Maine said they tested the body fluids from the perpetrator in Shreveport and found that this person also had a blood type, uh, or their blood type was type B. He called the match to the evidence in Gainesville a revelation in the case. Shortly after Maine's trip to Shreveport in November of 1990, a Shreveport resident, Cindy Jurich, I think, Jurichich, J-U-R-A-C-I-C-H, Jurichich, I think is how that said, called Crime Stoppers and reported Danny Rowling was possibly connected to the murders in both cities. Three months earlier, in August of 1990, Sydney heard news of a report about a string of murders as she traveled to the Florida Panhandle. The report made her think about Danny Rowling, who she met at her Louisiana hotel church. Over every 
Dobbin told her that Rowling had told him he had a problem. Jurchik said, I said, what kind of problem? And Steven said, he likes to stick knives into people. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'd say that's a problem. That might be a bit of an understatement, but it is a problem for sure. <laughs> Jurchik said she dismissed these comments when she heard about them because she didn't want to believe that Rowling was responsible for the triple murders in Shreveport. Danny also had told her, in quotes, one day I'm going to leave this town and I'm going to go where the girls are beautiful and I can just lay in the sun and watch beautiful women all day. Uh, wow, yeah. So, that's definitely, yeah, Florida. You can do that in Florida. I would say that's a connection. <laughs> News of the Gainesville Ripper haunted Juricic, so she finally contacted police in November based on her hunch of Rowling's connection to the murders in both cities. It would not let me rest, she said. One day I picked up the phone. I called Crime Toppers. Crime Toppers. Well, that's not the word. Crime Stoppers. That's what it is. <laughs> and I said, I think there's one guy y'all need to investigate. Danny Rowling. I like the y'all in there. Very Southern. <laughs> the investigators responded to, rolling, uh, to the Rowling tip and began an investigation, quickly finding Rowling, who had been arrested on September 7th of 1990 for an Ocala supermarket robbery. The robbery had been committed 10 days after the Pauls and Manny Tabata bodies were found. Uh, Rowling was being held in Marion County Jail that was 40 miles south of Gainesville. As part of the investigation, investigators determined that Rowling had type B blood, like the suspect in both the Gainesville and Shreveport murders. Once Florida investigators realized that Rowling had multiple convictions for armed robbery, they realized that he had been responsible for a bank robbery that occurred on the day that Christine Ho Christina Hoyt's body was found. They returned to the evidence locker where the gun, screwdriver, and bag of money and cassette player had been stored. Finally, they listened to the tape. They also found tools that matched the marks that were left at the Gainesville murder scenes. The small one-man camp where he was living was in a wooded area located near the apartment complex was frequented by students. There, Investigators discovered audio diaries he had made alluding to the crimes. So that's not really a good move if you're trying to not get caught. But maybe he was. Maybe he was, it was weighing heavy on him and he was, I don't know. That's just a weird thing to do. Maybe he just wanted to relive them kind of in a way. So he just recorded right after he did. The, I don't That's That's a weird. I've never heard of anybody taping audio diaries after they committed a murder. That's a weird, I know they say people like to return to the scene to like relive what they, maybe that's a way of doing that. That's the only thing I could think of. Otherwise I just ask him to get caught, which thank God he did. Cause this guy's a freaking oof. This is the worst of this. Yeah. This is just the worst, worst person that could be alive. So in November of 1991, <clears throat> excuse me, Rowling was charged with several counts of murder. Rowling was brought to trial for uh, was brought to trial nearly four years after the murders. He claimed his motive was to become a in quotes superstar, similar to Ted Bundy. In 1994, before his trial could get underway, Rowling unexpectedly pled guilty to all charges. Subsequently, State Attorney Rod Smith presented the penalty case of the prosecution. During his trial, Court TV conducted an interview with Rowling's mother from her home, during which his father could be heard shouting off camera. Yeah, no shit. Like, I'm not going to talk about, if you raise a serial killer, it's like, yeah, you're going to be upset. But that's, that's the problem with 
potential problem with people glorifying like Ted Bundy and all these serial killers. Like people go crazy over them, and it's it does promote and make like people. It's weird that like people want to be that. Like that's a way to get attention and all these things. It's just very. It's a very strange. Again, the psychology of it is very weird because there's millions probably of people like that watched the like the Ted Bundy movie that uh, Netflix made and they're making another one already. They're making all kinds of serial killer stuff. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's interesting. like, look at me, I'd read this stuff and present it to you all. Like it's, it's interesting. Just the psychology of what would make someone do these things is interesting. The physical acts of it are awful and terrifying and it's just evil. But the fact that this man wanted to become one of those people is like, that could very well be, there could be a lot of people out there that want that, which is sick. Obviously they need to be helped and treated, but it's just, it's crazy that he admitted to wanting to be that. Just very, again, it's interesting. It's awful, but it's interesting. On April 20th of 1994, Rowling was sentenced to death. Rowling was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and paraphilia. Shortly before he was executed in Florida for the series of Gainesville killings, uh, Rowling claimed responsibility for the Shreveport murders, handing his spiritual advisor, Reverend Mike Hudspeth, and Florida police a handwritten confession and apology. In a written statement made shortly before his execution, Rowling conflict confessed to the murders of the Grissom family in Shreveport. Rowling had a last meal of lobster tail. He sang a gospel hymn, uh, but note, made no statement immediately before his execution, which was witnessed by many of the victim's relatives. Man, that has to be so, like, lethargic. Like, it's awful, obviously, that someone's dying, but if this person did something to your family, you'd feel very happy. It sounds bad, but it's, you'd be happy that this person is no longer on the planet you'd want them to be gone. It has to be, there has to be some kind of closure there, knowing that this person isn't around. I could, ugh, I could not even imagine what that must feel like. Man, that's, yeah. I just couldn't imagine the emotions that would be in that room. It'd be very heavy. Rowling was executed by lethal injection at Florida State Prison on October 25th, 2006 after the U.S. Supreme Court rejected a last-ditch appeal. He was pronounced dead at 6.13 p.m. So now, to close it out, we'll talk about a few things that were inspired by these events. So, Rowling's been the subject of several written books. His crime spree inspired screenwriter Kevin Williamson to pen the script of the popular 1996 uh, film Scream, which I talked about in the beginning a little bit. Sandra London collaborated with Rowling on The Making of a Serial Killer, the true story of the Gainesville murders in the killer's own words. Rowling was the subject of the book Beyond Murder by John Philpin and John Donnelly. Author Kevin Given admitted to or admitted that he based the serial killer David Reynolds from his novel Full, uh, Foul Blood on Rowling. A 2007 independent feature film titled The Gainesville Ripper, based on accounts of the killings, was shot in Gainesville and Jacksonville. 
In the film, Rowling is portrayed by Zachary Memos. Rowling was also the subject of an episode of Body of Evidence from the case files of Dale Hinman, a court TV show, uh, and an episode of Forensic Factor titled Killing Spree, which originally aired on Discovery Channel Canada but was rebroadcast in America on the Science Channel. Rowling was the subject of a 2010 episode of Cold Blood, <clears throat> and briefly was mentioned in a 2012 episodes or 2012 episode of Motives and Murders titled Not Again. He was featured in a 2015 episode of A Nightmare Next Door. In 2013, a TV documentary uh, documentary series The Real Story aired an episode profiling the movie Scream. It aired on July 28th, 2013 and tells the story of Rowling's murder in graphic details. The book Drifter is based on the 1990 Gainesville murders. The song Harold Rowling's Hymn from the 2007 John 5 album, The Devil Knows My Name, is inspired by Rowling. And inspired, er, inspired, an episode, I'm sorry, of Murder Made Me Famous, which aired November 24th, 2018, chronicled the case. The premiere episode of Mark of a Killer, titled Posed to Kill, documented the case. In 2021, an episode of ABC Primetime Crew, uh, True Crime Television Series 2020 aired the murder case. And while on death row at Florida State Prison, Rowling wrote songs and poems and drew pictures. His works have been referred to as examples of murderabilia. That's another thing that's strange to me. That's, uh, if you don't know, it's just where people collect things from murderers. Like John Wayne Gacy's probably the most famous example because he had all the paintings. Um, and people, it's crazy. That's that's uh, it's weird to want to own something that someone this evil created. I will never get that, but there's a apparently there's a big market for it. So hey, whatever floats your boat, I guess. That's a that's a weird weird thing. I wouldn't go around flaunting that. And if <laughs> you had a date come over or something, I'd be like, "What's that?" Like, oh, that's John Wayne Gacy's killing. I'd be like, "All right, I gotta go." <laughs> uh. But yeah, that is the case of the Gainesville Ripper and uh, Daniel Rowling. So let me know if you were aware of this case. You might have heard of this case, but you might not have known that it inspired Scream. Again, I'm not sure how well known that is. There's probably thousands of people who knew that, and I just late to the party, I guess. But I just thought that I would cover this. And that wraps it up. So thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.